you so much for your word. And I pray, Father, that you'd open our hearts uh, to allow your word to shape us and form us so that we might live more effectively with one another and with you and serve you more truly. Uh, And I pray, Father, your Holy Spirit would rest on me now to bring your word to your people this day. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. James right here, and he's, he's continuing on with what we looked at last week about humble yourselves. But he starts out, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. As a young Christian, I was surrounded by quite a number of very opinionated and strong-willed people. And I really enjoyed that because it was a challenge. It was something that, uh, that really made me learn how to think, that really made me test the Bible, to investigate the scriptures deeply to see if the Bible is actually saying what people are claiming that the Bible is saying, uh, to challenge my assumptions, uh, and a whole number of things uh, that I really benefited ever since that time. And I'm talking about when I was a teenager. And all of these skills that uh, these men taught me in that season of my life, uh, whether I was close to them or not so close to them, uh, have been very, very important for me as a Christian. Uh, and they've really helped me to go deeper in the scriptures to shape who I am and what I believe, to challenge my assumptions, to look at history, to look at archaeology and things like that, before coming to the conclusion that the church, that Christianity really is true, and that Jesus really did rise from the dead, and so on and so forth. Uh, And that's a good thing, but a byproduct of this tends to be a kind of criticism and judgment toward other people and other movements that long ago I found to be quite distasteful. Uh, I remember, and it especially proliferates in the United States, uh, you'll have a number of radio programs or TV programs uh, or uh, even magazines, and where I first really encountered it was in a magazine form uh, back in the 1980s, you know, when you still had magazines. Uh, but, but these people became self-proclaimed heresy hunters, And their whole role, their whole job was to go and find people who, in their opinion, was heretical in order to do big exposés on them and warn the body of Christ about them. And for a time, that seemed to be 
pretty interesting and it seemed to uncover some real deception that had been in the body of Christ, uh, some key people at the time. But then I remember when they went after Neil Anderson, and this would be back in uh, the early 1990s. Uh, I personally met Neil Anderson probably about 94 or so, uh, but was deep, deeply influenced by, by him. And these guys went after Neil Anderson and started criticizing him on some things. And because I know Neil Anderson, I know what he did. Uh, and Neil went to this magazine that apparently was going to do this expose on him and said, I would love to meet with you so you could point out to me my error and so we could talk through this. Because I take all of this seriously and I really want to know what you really think and the basis on which you're making your allegations. And they absolutely refused. They said that they would not meet with him and yet were willing to expose him, so-called, to, the, to the, the wider body of Christ. And all of the allegations were really empty and baseless and distorting many, many different things. But that became the whole attitude. And I began to realize very quickly that there was this arrogance that was running, an undercurrent of arrogance that was really operative in the body of Christ, not only among leaders, but also among people in the pews. So you had some churches and some denominations say, hey, we're better than this group, we're better than that group. Uh, and some churches, some, some denominations saying, okay, you know, we're going to take the city for Jesus and we're going to take the, take the country for Jesus. And, and they'd say that, uh, and even here in London, I've had uh, maybe a half dozen different people or ministries come into London uh, in the last 16 years since I've been here saying, we're going to take London for Jesus. God sent me here to take London for Jesus. And they're here for about two weeks and they say, okay, well, we took London for Jesus. Here it is. You, you do with it. And nothing changes. They haven't taken London for Jesus. They've just done some activity and thought that it really made a difference and when it really didn't. Uh, and you see this kind of attitude that's not only in the marketplace, and it's certainly there in the marketplace, and it's certainly there with Christians in the marketplace, but it's an attitude as well with Christians in the church. And James says this attitude is wrong. In fact, James labels this attitude as arrogance. Arrogance. And remember, James here in his letter is talking to believers. He didn't write this letter for unbelievers. He didn't write this letter with an idea that, okay, that in the congregation there'll be uh, Jewish Christians and unbelieving people. He wrote it largely for Jewish Christians who had a real foundation, uh, not only in Christianity, but also in Judaism, to help them to go to the next level, to take the next step, to go further in their development as Christians. And so this is the crew that he's writing to, and so he's talking to people, and you notice here in this passage that he's talking to Christians not only as they deal with one another in the church, but also in the marketplace. Because he talks about people going places and trading. And what James noticed here was this arrogance that was underlying a lot of what Christians said and a lot of what Christians did. And coming out of, we just talked about pride and how God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And you might remember last week, I think I said last week, that I fear pride more than any sin because pride is a sin that God opposes actively. 
He's, not, he's never passive about it. He's always active in his opposition. So if you're walking in pride, you have to deal with God and the devil. And talk about being caught between the rock and a hard place. I mean, that, that's very uncomfortable. But here's arrogance, and arrogance is akin to pride. And James is saying here, people, don't be arrogant. Don't be arrogant. Instead, we say be modest. Be modest. Now, modesty... Modesty has a lot of different meanings, obviously, in our common English usage. Uh, we can talk about dressing modestly. Uh, and that means you dress conservatively in a way that where you're not exposing uh, things that you shouldn't be exposing and, and so on and so forth. Sometimes we can talk about modest in the sense of, uh, you know, self-effacement. Like, oh, well, you know... I'm not really that good. It'd be a bit, a bit like Wayne Rooney, you know, coming in, standing here and saying, well, you know, I'm not really, I don't really know how to play football. Yeah, I, I've never really played all that well. I'm not, I'm not really that great a footballer. When everybody knows, dude, you're a great footballer. Okay, you might be playing for Everton now, but you're still a great footballer. I mean, it doesn't diminish your history. Uh, and so sometimes we think, oh, well, you know, isn't he such a modest person? But that's not really the heart of what we're talking about in terms of modesty as the opposite of arrogance. And you have to see that in light of the word arrogance. Modesty in here is making a proper estimation, particularly of oneself and one's situation. Knowing one's actual position. And one's actual position in this regard is our relationship to God. And that's the emphasis here. So James talks about two areas of arrogance that we really need to deal with in our lives and in the body of Christ. The first, he talks about how we judge one another. And he says, you know, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. So first, we're not supposed to speak badly about other believers. We're not supposed to speak evil of them. We're not supposed to judge them. When you say, well, okay, I understand that we're not supposed to judge, but at the same time, the Bible says we're supposed to discern. And Jesus tells us to judge rightly. And we, you know, it's a difficult thing for us to understand. Well, what Jesus is talking about, what the Bible normally talks about in terms of discernment and judgment is discerning, judging what people are actually doing or saying. And discerning whether or not it's consistent with the scriptures, whether or not it's right or wrong in the kingdom of God. And we all have that responsibility beginning with ourselves. We need to discern what's happening. We need to discern actions and things. But judging in this context begins to hit at motives. It begins to hit at character. And we must not judge another person's motives or character. Now think about it. We all tend to judge ourselves based on our motives and other people based on what they do. Or no, excuse me. Yeah. When actually sometimes people can do wrong things for the right reasons. Yet we condemn them for it. Yet if we do a wrong thing for the right reasons, we get ourselves off. Uh, And this is the problem. Whenever somebody is starting to speak to another person's character or another person's motives, 
then we start to go down the path of sinful judgment, speaking evil against another person. And the reason is, we don't know another person's character fully, and we certainly don't know their motives unless they tell us. You know, if somebody says something hurtful to us that we perceive as hurtful, we have no idea whether or not they intended to hurt us. But most of the time, we assume that they did. When actually, it might have been just simply unthinking. It doesn't make it right what they said, but their motives are not wrong. And so James says, don't be arrogant by speaking evil, speaking judgment against other people. He says, because, hey, if you do that, and this is his, this is his, uh, his, his, his line of reasoning in a Jewish context. If you do that, then you're speaking against the law. And everybody would have understood the law, the Old Testament law. And so if you're speaking evil against somebody, you're actually speaking evil against the law, and you're making yourself to be the judge. Because it's the judge who has the right to arbitrate the law. And so James says, but yet, if you make yourself to be the judge, there's actually only one judge, and that's God. So if you start to be the judge, you're making yourself like God. Thus, you're being arrogant. You're being arrogant. And so he says, be modest. Be modest. Look more closely. Think more clearly. And certainly, don't speak evil against a brother or sister. People are watching, including the judge, the only one who has the right to pronounce the judgment. And he goes on and says, you know, you guys, you're arrogant in another way. You, you're boasting about what you're going to do. You know, so, they, so they'd say, hey, we're going to go do business. Hey, let's move to Ephesus. We'll live in Ephesus for a year. Uh, we'll make uh, thousands of dinar and then we'll move someplace else and make some more money and we make all these big plans and we boast about it and we say hey we're going to do this we're going to do that and ultimately it's arrogant i remember a lot when i was a, a young pastor you know thinking oh yeah we're, we're gonna we'll, we'll win hundreds of people for jesus and we'll see the spiritual atmosphere in our region shift uh, because of all the stuff that we do, and uh, we'll get a big church and do all this stuff, and all of it's arrogant. It's well-meaning arrogance, but it's arrogant nonetheless. And what happens is that when we become arrogant, we place ourselves in the position of God. And that's exactly what James was saying. He said, instead of being so arrogant and just declaring what you're going to do as a fait accompli, instead say, if the Lord wills. We will do this or that. Because ultimately, it's in God's hands. Ultimately, our lives belong to God. Ultimately, we are under God's control. So we must submit ourselves to God and trust Him. And it's not wrong. He's he's not saying it's wrong to do business. He's not saying it's wrong to make money. He's not saying it's wrong to go here or there in the marketplace. He's saying it's wrong to be arrogant about what we're going to do. Because ultimately, our lives are but a mist. They're going to pass away. But the Lord stands forever. And the Lord is the one who is in control. And so, James encourages us. He says, orient your life to God. Orient your life to God. When you're talking about other people, orient your life to God. When you're doing business, when you're engaging in the activities of life, Orient your life to God. Remember that you live in light of who God is 
And consequently, remember that there's no room for arrogance in God's kingdom, but that God's kingdom is a place that calls for modesty. And of course, our Lord and Savior demonstrated this when he took on the form of a human being, becoming like one of us to die on the cross so that we might have life. Father God, thank you so much for the promise that you are in control. You are God. You are in control of our lives. You are in control of the people around us. And we choose to trust you and submit ourselves to you. I pray, Father, that you'd encourage us, that you'd show us if there's any ways that we have been or are being arrogant so that we might turn from it and so that we might accept proper modesty, modesty in relationship with you. We love you, we praise you, we worship and adore you. We pray all this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.